Hello, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. I'm Nate and I'm joined as always by my good friend Josh and producer, awesome producer, Mr. Lees. How you going, mate? I'm good. What's going on? <laughs> oh, no, I'm loving these. Uh, I love these intros. They're getting better and better. So awesome intros. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah, I, um, we don't pre-record these. So we go off the cuff. <laughs> as you anything, can tell, yes. Anything could happen. <laughs> yeah. Anything could happen. No editing out either. So anything that happens, happens. Yeah, it's good. By the way, organic. It's very organic. Yeah, mate. It's going to be interesting. Mate, what's, we'll, been going, yeah, what's been going on this week? Anything, any any news to report off the cuff? Uh, I wouldn't mind um, touching a little bit on the, uh, you know, there's been a few wobbles in the share market today. And uh, yeah, the date's the 21st of September. And um, yeah, this week's been a, yesterday was a big sort of 2 percenter fall in the, um, in the Australian share market, but the global share market's also um, dropping a bit on the back of this worry in China. I don't know if you've had a chance to read much about that, but any thoughts on that? Uh, well, actually, I haven't heard about a worry in China. I haven't looked at the news, so that's really interesting. I know uh, a couple of my mates here who invest, um, they're, uh, they've been telling me a lot about, I think FMG went down, you know, 10% yesterday, Obviously, yeah. a lot more today. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on top of that, um, what was it? Uh, everything. Oh, sorry, I'm, I've lost a blanket. Everything kind of went down yesterday, didn't it? So yeah. Well, well basically, um, the short story is that there's a. I think the second biggest developer in China is just leveraged up, um, has a lot of debts to pay, and is now looking like they might default on their debts. And uh, people are not, were knocking at their doors this week, you know, demanding their money back. And so I think the the world has gotten a little bit jittery, calling it sort of the Chinese Lehman Brothers. And um, and obviously that this China, um, it's looking like there's a bit of a big slowdown in in what they're doing over there, which might you know obviously will push you know steel down and then demand for iron ore. And so iron ore has been cratering. And so yeah, that's what we saw a little bit yesterday with the um, you know, obviously iron ore prices are going down, but also all the all of those miners going down. So it, it'll be interesting. There'll be there's always something. The markets there's always some news. For sure. And and, um, and what is it an overreaction? What do you think? No, I think I think it's legitimate. This this uh, is a is a really really big company. Um, they have I think it's I can't remember the exact um, figures now. There's almost I think it was almost five hundred billion dollars in debt um, oh. that they need to owe. Huge. <laughs> Some, wow. Something up around that. And um, yeah, I mean, this is one of the biggest, this is the second biggest developer over in China. They've been, they've got, you know, a thousand projects on the go. It's just massive. And so, yeah, if they default, you know, similar to the the, the GFC, but uh, sort of a Chinese version of it, I guess. Um, so yeah. I think it's a legitimate worry. Um, but look, sometimes the uh, markets just kind of keep gaining steam. So we'll see what happens here. We might, we're due for a little bit of a correction of some sort. Um, it's been sort of um, powering on now for well, really since COVID. Uh, I mean, yeah. March last year. So um, yeah, we're due for a bit of a correction. So hopefully, uh, hopefully a few shares come on discount and we can um, maybe pick some up. But we'll for see sure. how we go. And this is all side by side with some, um, I guess you'd call it good news. I believe I've seen. Um, here I am saying I don't listen to news. I had I had people show me this morning. Uh, America said they've opened they're opening up to uh, I think it was vaccinated people. 
Yeah, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think the world's really in a spot now where we, you know, we either need to just, um, you know, yeah, get to a certain vaccination rate, whatever, whatever the governments are going to be happy with. And um, yeah, then just kind of let it, you know, let us, you know, do our thing and travel and, you know, have businesses open. And um, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a global, um, you know, gold standard of what to do and yeah. so we're kind of sort of all watching each other a little bit but um yeah well hopefully most other countries follow suit because we can't we can't stay like this forever regardless of a of a virus or not realistically we cannot stay like this forever <laughs> no no and um you know i think if we have enough vaccination um you know my, my wife's an icu nurse they you know if if there's enough vaccinated people you know that obviously means there's less hospitalizations and then the, you know basically the healthcare system can um hopefully um deal with the demand or, or the increased um you know people going to hospital because you know the the stats have shown that if you've been vaccinated you're less likely to go to hospital and um and, and that's the big issue that you know we're going to get this sort of overburdened hospital or healthcare system and hopefully that doesn't happen so yeah look sure. hopefully we can um hopefully we can um yeah get to back to being fairly normal soon. We'll yeah, see. look forward to it. Look forward to it. Let's get on to our topic tonight. What are we doing do tonight? Yeah, mate. So we're going to continue on with our checklist. Um, that is a, uh, I guess, a revised checklist from our um, good friend Phil Towns mm. in America. And um, basically, this is uh, his his checklist with our own little bent on it. But um, we're, we're running through it. We started it last week. We got down to. Um, point seven. So yeah, go back and have a listen to the audio on that one. And um, yeah, we'll just keep working our way through uh, a checklist. This is a deeper dive than our initial dive that we have um, gone through a couple of times in a few episodes, looking yep. at various companies. And so this is really us really digging in and understanding a business so well that we um, are really limiting our chances of making a you know a terrible mistake with our with our you know investment. Definitely, definitely. It's um, yeah. This is our very. This is a checklist that we want to go through, answer all these questions to know that what we're investing is going to be a good long-term decision. And I think, as you said last week, and this nailed it on the head, it, it helps to remove the emotion from investing. We keep it factual. And as we said last week, this this might be uh, over a few episodes, so we'll see how long we get through here tonight. But we got down to. We started by looking at um, radar. Or, or, or do you want to talk it through it, mate? Uh, you know, the rules uh, checklist, we've got a bit of an acronym there. Yeah. Um, R being radar. But um, we're up to you of the rules. Yeah. U has a few U's. <laughs> understanding the meaning of a business, understanding the mode of the business, understanding the management, and understanding the margin of safety. That's um, all comes under you. Um, and margin of safety, we also have like margin of safety, payback time and 10 cap pricing. So that's basically all of the valuations. And then, yeah, love the business is L. Uh, we basically, you know, we want to know that this business aligns with our personal values. Then we move to event, which is E. We want to know that um, it's going through an event, which is why it's on sale. And then uh, finishing it off with story and version, um, which is Charlie Munger's you know, number one thing to do, as he said on a number of occasions, he wants to be able to basically say why this is bad business and then, you know, be able to rebut his own 
uh, decisions mm. and make sure that he's making the right decisions because you know we always we all have a bias on things we love so we want to know the downsides as well but last week we got up to we were starting with point seven of understanding the meaning of a business and that is I know why businesses fail in this industry awesome so yeah we're looking at um yeah I mean how, how would you explain that one you know we're looking at a certain industry and um you know are we trying to find some history on businesses that have failed in that industry or are we you know we're just really just trying to understand where they might go wrong yeah for sure and i guess you know, we come back to retail a lot um but you know why would a retail business fail is because they're failing to sell enough product to make enough income to keep the the floor uh the store afloat and you know that's where you know probably starting to look into moats as to why businesses are better than other businesses or brands are better than other brands but realistically we just want to know as the industry as a whole why companies fail and i think you know you brought up a good point at the start of this um you know one of the biggest developers in china they're failing or potentially failing due to massive debt so you know, one, we all know debt kills businesses. And two, that could be a massive reason why businesses in a certain industry fail because they take on too much debt. Yeah, and specifically that one, they've taken on too much debt and the prices of property have started to fall. Um, even 10% has hurt them. So, yeah, um, you know, that, yeah, under, under, again, understanding why that, you know, business would fail in that industry is, you know, a, a, you know part of this checklist. So we, we want to tick it off. Yep. Uh, yeah, number eight, I can say why this industry will be going strong in 10 years' time. So this is where we really want to be looking forward um, and putting our best cap on, you know, whether we, um, you know, we want to try and predict, I guess, a little bit, but really trying to understand whether that industry will be doing well in 10 years' time. Um, yeah. You know, and as Buffett would say, you know, he, he likes good old Wrigley's chewing gum. You know, we're all going to be chewing gum in 10 years' time, so he's pretty happy with... Um, the chewing gum business. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess this 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 kind of uh, provokes a bit of thought of, you know, what's going to happen in the future. And you know, the the same old same old businesses that are going to be around forever that we you know are, you know, those simple consumer staples or whatever. Like they're always, I guess, half decent bets. But looking forward for us, you know, we got a lot of emerging tech, and you know. You know, you look at the car industry and, and will petrol or diesel vehicles be a big thing in 10 years? We don't know anymore. So will it be electric vehicles? You've got to have a bit of foresight with this one, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, well, I mean, I don't think, mate, I don't think diesel vehicles will be a big thing. I think the, quite a few of the governments around the world have turned, you know, trying to get to sort of zero carbon emissions by, I think, a couple of the European um, nations are at 2025. So, yeah, they... Yeah. They will not have these diesel petrol cars at all. They'll be you know, electric or at least you know hybrid or some of some sort. So <laughs> yeah, that, that that car industry is a really interesting one. Um, yeah, in this space, but and the, and the tech industry itself is interesting because you know it, you know one tech you know today might be um, really great, and in five years time someone might be able to come through and with a completely different technology. I think Warren Buffett doesn't like technology; hasn't understood it very well, but. Um, it, it's it's really fast changing so it can be hard to make a decision around that one yeah um, and i guess that's like why he kind of bet on you know one of the biggest tech players being apple but you know with such emerging tech you look at the ones who have done well and done well for a long time you know apple's one of those so 
I guess you could probably put a pretty strong case as to why Apple will still be going strong in 10 years. And that's basically because they usually produce most of the consumer tech out there, don't they? So um, yeah, it's just things you've got to look at and understand your company, which is why we're going through this checklist. Awesome. Next one. Um, number nine, mate. Yeah, I can list the key numbers the industry follows to, uh, to know what's going on in a business. So that would be looking at KPIs, um, I guess, of the business and, you know, understanding the KPIs that the industry as a whole with all the businesses in that industry, what they're trying to achieve. So um, that'll just be industry to industry. But I guess at the end of the day, like most businesses, it comes down to, you know, sales is always going to be a big one and net margin, et cetera. So um, just knowing the intricacies of that industry as a whole and um, yeah, how the businesses are performing against their competitors. Yeah, I think one of the best ways to find out what they're tracking and what they're really after is just reading their annual reports and their presentations. They often go through, um, you know, key key measures in their um, presentations and reports. So yeah, having a look, having a good read of those, um, yeah. preferably a few years in a row, and yeah, you'll find out the the key numbers pretty quickly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, last one. Uh, I can list the key risks a business takes in this industry. So yeah, yeah. what are what are the what are the risks that the the business is going to be taking on? And um, how might that affect the businesses, I guess? Definitely. It's a good point. You want to know how those risks are going to affect it. And, you know, if they're pushing too hard in certain areas, you know, risks, debt's always going to be a massive risk, isn't it? So, you know, ideally we don't want our companies going into debt, but certain industries, you know, thrive on that kind of taking on debt. To leverage up. So, yeah. yeah, you just yeah. need to be able to weigh up those risks and know that your business in that industry is going to be better than its competitors. Awesome, mate. Well, that's that is understanding the meaning of yeah. business. That's the first. That's the first year. Let's hit hit up uh, the next one. So this is the moat, and, and a moat is really we've talked about this before. You know, it's, it's what really sets the the competitive advantage. You know, well, what is the competitive advantage of a business? So, um, you know, we'll we'll get a piece of this. Number one, I I can describe the critical pieces of the operation of of this business. So, you know, what what are the you know again? I guess some of these questions kind of overlap a little bit, don't they? They do, but I guess, you know, overlapping is not really a problem. You're just getting a better understanding because you might be asking a similar question a different way that's going to send you down a different path, which means you're going to understand it better. But, yeah, critical pieces of the operation, you know, what what does a business do that makes it so good? And if you pull that, you know, piece of ops out, is it going to make the business fail? Because that's helping mm -hmm. you understand where the foul point of the business is, one, but two... It's also helping you understand why the business has that moat and what's intrinsic to that business in terms of why it makes it better than its competitors. Yeah. Uh, easy to convince customers to buy is number two of understanding a moat. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good one. I mean, where would we find this information? I guess just from talking to people you know understanding you know what the customers like out of that product um mm -hmm. you know it's not it's not hard to convince an apple iphone uh person to buy another apple iphone they they just you know it's not even i i, I, mean, I don't know many people have switched um you know once once they've kind of uh used apple iphone they they don't switch back so apple has an amazing um well switching mate you've talked about that before but brand as well 
Yeah, yeah. And I will put my hand up there and say I had the first Apple iPhone and I've never had an Apple iPhone since. So just just saying, um, I bat for the other team. <laughs> uh, Samsung? Yeah, mate, I go Samsung every time. So. <laughs> uh, there you go. I also, I also don't care too much about my phones. Like, you know, I'll get a phone on a 24-month contract and I won't swap my phone for four to five years. So, hey, I have more money to invest. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, number three, customers love this company. So yeah. uh, very, very similar, very similar. You know, very similar one to uh, number two there. Um, uh, I guess a good example of that uh, again is like you know Tesla. You know, amazing brand, mate. You know, people who have bought a Tesla and you know drive Tesla, they're just real fan. You know, fans of the the product and the cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then you've got you know companies that do good things to the world, you know, where you got a mass people of a mass amount of people who, you know, have the similar values. You know, you're gonna be yeah. hard fetched to try and tell those people that the company's not good. So they love it. Yep. So yeah. Uh number four, suppliers love this company. So this is the fourth one on a, on the checklist of uh moats. Um suppliers love this company. Yeah. Well I guess Would as it? a as a business it's always good to have an as a supplier to a business, it's always good to have one good management team um, to, you know, it's just super easy to roll, roll through, um, you know, retail through their business because one, not only is a company making uh, making dollars for doing that, but the supplier is also making a lot of money by doing that, aren't they? So, you know, if you've got a, you got a good business turning over your profit, turning over your products and um, it's a win and suppliers are going to keep coming back to you. Yep, and that, I mean, again, this is this is under the you know competitive advantage, but yeah, you know, I mean that just continues to build that moat, doesn't it? For sure, for sure. The more easy it is for you to have everybody operate around you to make your business better, the better things are. Mm. Um, number five of of this sort of ten point checklist is I know the competitive advantage of the business. Yeah. I think it's probably worth saying too, um, you know, like we, we're not, you're not needing to write a paragraph or really sort of write big, long, chunky um, essays on each one of these questions. Like some of these questions can be a simple yes or no, or a one word answer, but um, you know, as long as you're, you're understanding that and you can answer it and, and describe and, and um, describe, you know, the, I guess the answer to that, that checklist, then, um, you know, that's, that's the key thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, competitive advantage of business. What is it? You know, do we know it? Yeah, and I guess this is just the moat, isn't it? This is um, this is me going. All right, I'm I'm researching Apple. I know Apple has a brand moat and a switching moat. It's it's pretty obvious. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. If you can if you can easily go, this is a competitive advantage of this business, then that's a massive tick in the box. And this is a very easy question to answer. And uh, yeah, number six piggybacks on the back of that. So you know, what's the competitive advantage? The the um number six is why? Why do they have the competitive advantage? Yeah, you know, and more that, importantly, is it durable? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So why do I have a competitive event? And is it durable? And I guess this is just kind of understanding. Um, you know, yeah. Well, why is it? Do they have better products? You know, is their software better? Is their you know management team amazing? You know, why is that you know competitive advantage actually occurring? Yeah, definitely. And I guess this is where we really like to see you know the past to help us look into the future the company's been doing really well and you can read the annual reports and see why they've been doing really well then it's kind of 
a bit easier to make that judgment on it's going to continue to do really well for these reasons. So, mm. Cool. I like the next one. Uh, number seven, I know why the competitive advantage is intrinsic and very difficult to copy. So, yeah, we, you know, you don't want a business that is just like easy just to, you know, throw a few hundred grand together and start a business and, you know, be competing with that. And then I guess that the retail space probably is a little bit, a little bit like that where, um, you know, it's pretty easy to sell clothes or, or sell shoes or whatever it might be. And, um, yeah, you know, really a company with a massive moat, you know, like, you know, to, to start Apple, you, you need a trillion dollars, you know, no one has, not many people have a trillion dollars or you know, start Tesla. It's, it's, you know, you're needing billions and billions of dollars, you know, that's what, um, you know, sets it apart and has that sort of competitive mode. For sure. And then I guess this is where, like, you know, I like the lots of secrets modes, you know, whether it be company like 3M in, in America that, you know, you know their products aren't, you know, other other companies may try and match their products, but they're, they're nowhere near as good a quality. And that's not due to mm. patents. That's just due to they know how to make it better than anyone else. Or then you got patent companies like uh, Peloton, you know, people literally aren't allowed to copy their, their system. So that's massively intrinsic to that company and they, they're not allowed to copy it. So, you know, this is a, this is a good one for the secrets mode. Awesome. Uh, do you want to do number eight, mate? Yeah, number eight, I can say in one sentence, the problem customers will have if the business disappears. And I guess this comes back to what we discussed last week is, you know, most businesses are here to uh, help, you know, people fix problems in their life to be solutions mm. to the problem. So, you know, um, if Apple disappeared, well, I guess at the end of the day, you've got Samsung, but um, you're really hurting a lot of people uh, who basically have their whole life built around the tech of Apple. Mm. Awesome, mate. Uh, yeah. Number nine, the business has proven it can raise prices at its cost as its costs rise. So I mean, good sort of, um, I guess, companies that battle inflation a little bit. Uh, C's, C's Candies is a great example. Warren Buffett loves loves his C's Candies. I think he paid $20 million back in 1970-odd for it. And each year it returns him about $60 million dividends. Um, you know, it returns, it's amazing, amazing. But yeah, they just rise their, they just increase their prices, uh, you know, 3 to 4% each year just based on inflation. And, um, you know, no one really notices it because you go to the checkout and, Mm-hmm. You see his candy bar mm-hmm. is no longer three dollars fifty, it's you know, three dollars, you know, fifty-five or whatever it is. And yeah, so so that is an example there. Yeah, for sure. And I reckon um, you know, another one I guess that's been good in the past is you know, Coca-Cola. Um yep. you know, if they I couldn't put the numbers, sorry, my words aren't working. Um, I couldn't remember the numbers, but the numbers were ridiculous to the point where like these guys could raise their you know, cost of a single can of Coke by a cent and, and be turning over an extra billion dollars a year, like plus, you know, probably a lot more than a billion dollars a year, but that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, look, you, you want to see a company where their earnings are growing, not going down. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that sort of flags that problem there. Yeah. Um, and finally, number 10, the, the last one in the uh, understanding the moat of a business is uh, sales are recurring, not one-off um yeah so i guess i mean this is where um people are loving the software as a service industry at the moment you know in the old days you'd buy the 
you know, you'd buy the upfront package of um, the program, you know, be a few thousand dollars and you put it on your computer and that's it. You don't need to, um, you paid it once and you don't have to get it again. You pay for the license. You know, when a lot of these companies now are switching to this software as a service where it's like, you know, constant monthly, um, you know, direct debits, Netflixes, all those sort of things that are just direct debit. You don't even sort of see the money it's gone. And, um, yeah. you know, we, we like those businesses. For sure. And, you know, I think a great example was like for me, I paid for Zoom so I could have, you know, longer meetings and so forth. And I, I probably haven't used it as much as I needed to, but I haven't stopped the payments, have I? So it's just one of those things where once you're in, you have to make that effort to get out of it. So for a company, that's that's awesome. You've got people who are paying, not even using it. It doesn't affect the company, but at the end of the day, it's, it's money coming in. So it's a great business model scale, you know, like Netflix, you know, $13 a week or month or whatever it is, you know, it's a cup of coffee really. And you, so you don't even think too much about it, but if you've got three or four, like you said, or five subscriptions, you're throwing a Zoom, you're throwing a zero, you're throwing, you know, all these other subscriptions and all, all of a sudden you're, you know, if, if you're not managing your money well, and we, we have done a uh, episode on manage, managing money, uh, the money yeah. smarts, uh, one of the earlier episodes, if you want to have a listen, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you can really start to run in a bit of trouble with these subscriptions. But as an investable business, we love it. Yes, yes, that's the ones we want. I think it's a good point to um, to hit on here because, you know, um, as we're going through this checklist, like it's very hard to have a company tick off yes on every single one of these or, or have a positive answer yeah. to every single one. So it's really important, I guess, and this is my personal thing too, is we don't have to have every single one of these answers perfect you know if we understand the company enough but it might not be it might be lacking in one or two areas but we know that you know either those one or two areas may be fixed moving forward or it's just not a company that is strong in that area but it's not a whole industry that's you know it's a whole industry that's not strong in that area our company is just doing a bit better than the rest it's like we don't have to be amazingly happy with every answer as long as we understand what we're getting into a good point mate yeah well said uh, yeah you know yeah you're definitely not going to get 100 percent tick rate so um you know if you, and this is where if you go back to the numbers the numbers are great and you've, you've got a lot of good things where you understand the business well then yeah it, it it starts to look a bit um more investable so yeah good point for sure for sure i reckon we can uh i, I have to go in probably five minutes mate but i reckon we can start on the management um and then probably get a few points into management and cut it away uh, let's do let's do the first three then because um we we just started to briefly talk about the the numbers so understanding yep. the management of a business um yeah so number one here is that the company has little or no debt and so we really were going to the um yeah the balance sheets and the and the cash flow statements and checking out whether we um you know the company has debt uh they leveraged up and uh, we we've talked about this one before wanting sort of no more than sort of two years of um you know cash flow to be able to pay that debt off yeah yeah for sure obviously debt kills companies we've talked about this extensively if you have a highly leveraged company and you hit a financial crisis and they can no longer pay their debt they go into bankruptcy it's not it's not them who end up you know the company might not close down and it might you know get bought out by an institution or like you know another investment firm but the people who lose out is us as the investors and you know we just lose our shares we lose all of our capital yep. in that company so as we've discussed you know debt kills 
not only the company, but the investor. Um, yeah, no more than two to three years of net income and ideally, you know, no more than two to three years of cash flow because we want to know that this business can pay off that debt if it needs to. We're talking about, you talked about before about not having all the, the ticks, you know, I guess all the yeses and so forth. But this is this is probably one of the bigger ones. You know, you're playing with a little bit more fire. The yeah. company has um, huge, huge levels of debt. So, um, yeah, yeah, it gets, yeah. It gets a bit scarier when someone has big debt. Definitely. Like I, I personally... This is this is a big one, probably the biggest one for me. If a company has if company has more debt than I like, then I need to know exactly why they do, and I need to know exactly how they're going to pay it off. I think um, you know some kind of example of that would be Boeing, and I don't know exactly the answers that I just of the of the questions that I just asked, but I know that they took on a lot of debt at points, but they also had a lot of aircraft about to be sold that could pay off that debt. So they're little things yeah. that you've really got to be all over and be a hundred percent that you understand what's happening there. Mm -hmm. Number two, the ROIC or the return on invested capital is high and not getting small. So yeah, we want to see these numbers growing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you want to just explain? So, Cause the, let's do two and three. So number three is the return on equity is high and not getting small. Do you want to explain the difference between return on invested capital and return on equity? Yeah. So um, Return it's on slightly different. Yeah, very, very slightly. Return on equity being, you know, the net income compared to the equity of the company. Equity being cash, basically, or cash and assets. Um, so you want a high return based on the amount of cash and assets, i.e., equity that company has. And like as we've discussed, we want that to be minimum 10%, ideally want it to be above 15% and ideally, ideally above 15% for a lot, like a long number of years. But re yeah. return, return on invested capital is basically the same as return on equity, but now we take into account uh, debt. So this is a good yeah. indicator. You know, if you're not looking directly at the, the debt number of a company, if a company has, you know, ROE of 10%, but it's got an ROIC of 3%, then that company is leveraged up to the hills because you're taking now debt as part of that equity um, component where you're adding debt to the equity. And, um, you know, if you add a, a number to the bottom line, the top line becomes lower when it comes to a fraction, like a div dividend. Uh, so yeah. words that working, just a simple division. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm ruining it's it. A, it's a great, I actually find it one of the, the, you know, quick, quick, really quick way to see if a company is using debt to grow. Um, is if there's a big difference between in the ROIC and the ROE. Yeah. Um, re really good way of just quickly going, you know, doing a, a really quick check essentially and, and yeah. seeing if that, that number's um, a big difference and then it's it's growing through the years that they are using debt to um, to grow that company. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Right, so we, might, we might pull up stumps there, hey? We, um, we both got to uh, nick off tonight pretty quickly, but... Um, We'll keep working our way through the, uh, you know, the deeper dive checklist here. And uh, what are we? Probably about 45% of the way through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, I think we'll, you know, once we pass this understanding part, we'll be punching through a bit quicker. But, yeah, um, keep going through. I'm really enjoying these episodes, actually. I'm, I'm really enjoying going through this stuff. So um, I hope other people who are listening – all, all seven or eight of our listeners are really enjoying it too. So 
Um, yeah. We're global. We're global. We oh yes, going around the world to twelve countries now. Thirteen. 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 We want to thank those in Eastern Europe and (laughs) Africa and America, Canada, America, yeah, Asia, our Canadian friends. Thank you, Troy. Shout out, Troy. Good on you, mate. (laughs) Yeah. Now we appreciate anybody who listens to this, and as we've discussed, we're doing this basically because we want to document our journey and make something of this for ourselves. But um, the more people yep. we can help along the way, man, winning, hey. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, mate. Any final thoughts? Uh, none. Once again, I appreciate your time and uh, love catching up every week. Awesome, Legend. Well, yeah, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. And we will catch you all again next week. Thanks, thanks mate. mate. See you later, mate. Bye. All information on the Legacy Investing Podcast is the opinions of the hosts and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Legacy Investing Podcast and any contributors to the podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should consult a licensed financial professional.